1: Welcome to Beyond the Call, the podcast in which we talk about topics that help churches and ministries protect what God has called them to lead. I'm Marielle Villarreal, and on today's episode, we will be talking about the importance of a housing allowance. One of the biggest blessings an ordained minister can receive today is a housing allowance, and yet so many pastors find themselves misunderstanding how it exactly works. In this podcast, we'll be demystifying some of the more popular misconceptions surrounding housing allowance and also discussing its benefits and importance. Joining us today is Stevon German, Director of Operations here at Start Church. Thanks so much for joining us, Stevie. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. Me too. So, Stevie, here at Start Church, we often hear pastors tell us, I don't receive a salary, just a small housing allowance. Then they go on to explain that they don't report this compensation on their taxes. How can we clarify this common misconception of how housing allowance actually works? Well,
2: first and foremost, we have to remind them that all money a minister receives needs to be reported as income. It doesn't matter how it's categorized; it is still income, therefore it needs to be reported. Um, whether it's a love offering taken up at the end of a service, a stipend for a guest for guest speaking, or even a surprise, you know, twenty dollar handshake or a birthday gift, it all is income. It all has to be reported. Um, in fact, any benefit rendered to a minister that is mon- that has a monetary value such as uh, paid for lunches, uh, maybe they use the church-owned vehicle, all of this must still be recorded as income. Um, It's very disheartening as it initially sounds, the benefit of having a housing allowance is that a minister's board of directors can approve up to 100% of his or her salary, and that includes the benefits package, um, which is all of the above, uh, under a non-taxable status on the pastor's income taxes. However, to clarify, the housing allowance is not money paid to a pastor in place or in addition to salary. Uh, Rather, it's a portion of the board approved salary that a minister is already receiving that is excluded from his or her taxable income. So layman's terms, it's an umbrella over your income. So if the pastor is receiving $100,000 as an approved income, he can also, he or she can be also approved for $50,000 of that as an umbrella. So covered of that same 100000 is covered under housing allowance, therefore not taxable. But it is actually reported um, the same way, on a, a, a little bit different on the W-2. So if a minister has not opted out of self-employment taxes, then the entirety of the minister's salary or income, including the portion that was designated as housing allowance or covered under the, that umbrella, is still subject to self-employment taxes. Um, this is really important because pastors are uh, considered a dual situation. So they're considered employees of the church, but they're also considered
1: uh, self-employed. Thanks so much for clarifying that, Stevie. And For also touching on the fact that housing allowance is not additional or separate income to pastors. This seems to be another point of confusion for ministries. Why do you think that is?
2: Uh, Yes, that is actually very very common and that is actually right. Um, Unfortunately, some churches as a result uh, will provide the pastor with a separate check for their housing expenses or may even pay the pastor's bills directly. Uh, I believe this is a misunderstanding of ministers' housing allowance, largely stems from the word allowance. Uh, because of this, it's easy to see how one may assume that the housing allowance is a separate portion of money given to pastors for their housing needs. Uh, so perhaps a better term to describe this benefit is a housing exclusion. Uh, the portion of a minister's salary that is properly designated as a housing allowance may be excluded from gross income and considered tax-free income. So there's that umbrella again, right? So if you're under the umbrella, you're excluded from having to pay taxes on your federal side. However, you still have to cover the full amount. There is no umbrella on the 4361 uh, self-tax exemption unless you've gone through that process. So, uh, while we're on the topic, um, I did I want to talk about a few other popular misconceptions. Um, let me clarify one more thing about housing allowance. Uh, the minister's housing allowance is not retroactive. Uh, this can often trip up a lot of ministers when they're establishing their housing allowances. Uh, the truth of the matter is. The housing, minister's housing allowance is that it's not retroactive. It is only projective. Um, in short, this means that if you wait until June to establish your housing allowance, you will not, I repeat, you will not be able to include your housing-related expenses for the months of January through May as a part of your housing allowance for that year. Uh, for this reason, it is best practice to have your board of directors approve And establish your housing allowance in December of the following year or as early as January, you know, if they just couldn't get to it in December. Um, This is really, really important for a lot of pastors to know because they hear about it. They may even be listening to this podcast for the very first time and that light bulb goes off and they're like, oh, my goodness. I don't have housing allowance. And so they set it up. Well, we're already in July. So when they set up and they go through the process that they give us a call, we can help them get it all set up. They don't realize that if you were approved at maximum $60,000, that automatically is cut to like 30,000 because you have to remove the equal amount for each month prior
1: to when they actually set it up. Wow. That's so important to know. Um, <laughs> Now, moving on from these common misconceptions, let's get to the nitty-gritty and talk about how pastors can properly set up and implement their housing allowance in a way that is legally compliant. Absolutely. So, first,
2: a housing allowance must be approved by the board of directors before it comes into effect. So, No, you cannot just fill out a form and say, okay, I have housing allowance. There is an actual legal process. It must be kept in the board meeting minutes. So at the board meeting, your board of directors will need to vote to approve what they will offer you for your housing allowance. Once that has been decided, this amount and the agreement must be recorded in the board meeting minutes. These are very, very, very important. Um, one fun rule of thumb that we have here at Start Church is if it wasn't recorded, it didn't happen. So it doesn't matter if all these things happen in the meeting. If there's not a documentation with what happened in that meeting, it never happened. So also... Please note that a housing allowance is only proactive. It is not retroactive. This means that if you get your housing allowance approved in June, same example I gave earlier, you will not be able to include the previous months of January through May. This topic is always helpful to go over in your annual board meeting. So if you can have it, schedule it out for the month of December. Yes, there are holidays. It's smack dab in the middle but it's the most important thing you can ever do for your pastors, if you're an assistant or pastor, if you are the pastor, make sure you have that meeting before a new year begins so you're covered.
1: Are people in your community dealing with loss of jobs, financial troubles, or even lack of food? With the current events we are facing in our country, you may find an increase in benevolence requests at your church. You may even find yourself buried in requests and not even sure where to begin. Because of this, we created the Call to Care suite for ministry leaders and pastors to have a resource as they create and establish their benevolence program. In Call to Care, you will learn how to qualify the need, establish a benevolence program, engage in counseling through benevolence, and so much more. Purchase Call to Care today so you can establish your benevolence program and love and equip those in need. And how about when the time comes for pastors to calculate their housing allowance? Can you walk us through that? Sure, sure.
2: So at the end of the tax year, you can calculate how much of your gross income is able to be excluded from income taxes. When calculating your housing allowance, you need to select the least of the following. So we'll go through a few different options. One, the amount used to provide a home. Number two, the amount designated as a housing allowance. And the third, uh, the fair rental value of the home, including furnishings, um, different costs of utilities, things of that sort. Uh, Even though the board needs to approve the housing allowance, it is the pastor's responsibility to calculate all of the amounts. So the following expenses can be included when calculating your housing allowance. Monthly payments, such as your mortgage, your rent, uh, taxes, including real estate taxes, personal property taxes, insurance like homeowners, fire, flood, renters, home improvements, such as a new roof, home additions like your garage or your carport, fencing, landscaping, pool decks, etc. cetera. Uh, maintenance and repairs. This includes drapes, curtains, blinds, throw rugs, wallpaper, paint, molding, shelving, artwork, bedspread, sheets, linen, towels, and so much more. Uh, utilities, of course, uh, gas, electricity, water, sewage, garbage service, cable and satellite, internet, phone line, home security, any kind of utility that requires you to live in that home and function, it's under there. Um, and then of course there's some miscellaneous things that a lot of people don't even think about but they can be included when you're trying to go through and calculate your housing allowance and those things um, can be included but not limited to home cleaning supplies brooms mops vacuums light bulbs home supplies carpet cleaning landscaping services lawn equipment garden tools and so many more supplies um there is something to note uh, really really important here Uh, There isn't anything in the tax code, uh, treasury regulations, or other IRS publications that limits the amount a church can designate as a housing allowance for a pastor. The housing designation does not determine how much a minister will be able to exclude from gross income. So to meet the legal requirement, your housing allowance needs to be designated in advance of payment for the services you provide as a minister to the church. That is a lot of legal jargon. I will explain it in layman's term in just a second. (laughs) When the board designates your housing allowance at 100% of your compensation in advance of payment, you can use the actual expenses paid to have a home. So the end result is the maximization of your housing allowance benefits. So for all the pastors out there whose heads are spinning, you're so totally confused by what I just said, the easiest way to remember housing allowance and what can be included. Essentially, anything that you cannot consume, you can't eat it, okay? there's a lot on this list there's a lot that can be covered so write it down okay because your uh, board of directors needs to know how much does it actually cost for you to live your utilities your monthly rent those things are great but you also have to think of insurance and and how much does it cost to maintain you know do maintenance on your on your lawn things of that sort all of those things is what makes up the time the space the energy for you to live and have this housing um, and just remember of the three that we listed at the top it is the lowest of those items so you may come up with this long laundry list of things that you pay and it may even equal out to eighty thousand dollars but if your fair rental uh, fair market rental value of your home is sixty thousand and that's the least of those three then your housing allowance can only be approved up to, that's $60,000. So it is very important. If you need help with this, give us a call because we do have a systematic way of helping you determine a healthy, legal, ethical amount for housing allowance and for your board to approve it.
1: That's such valuable information, Stevie. Um, thank you so much for clarifying because this can be quite an intimidating yes. process for pastors. Yes. And I'm sure many people listening have never even heard some of this information. So Mm -hmm. um, what else should pastors know in order to be legally compliant with the IRS when it comes to their housing allowance?
2: Yeah. So one other thing that they should absolutely know is how to report their housing allowance. Um, The IRS has noted that the housing allowance doesn't need to be reported on a minister's Form W-2. However... We have found that there are benefits in reporting your housing allowance on your W-2. One benefit is banking and major buying purposes. Uh, When you apply for a loan to purchase a home or a car, uh, banks want to know whether your income is acceptable to make the payments. Uh, many banks will deny the loan request if the income reported on the W-2 isn't enough. And yes, I have personally actually seen that happen. And we have clients that come back and say, can you please help me with this? And we have to go back and do a W-2 corrections Uh, because of this, including the housing allowance in box 14 um, on the W-2 helps substantiate the pastor's total income and can assist in getting a loan approved. So for instance, that example I gave earlier, they've, actually received $100,000 in gross income, but they only have to pay taxes on the federal side for 50,000 or we'll say 60,000. So in box um, two, they would have, or box one, it would say 60,000 as wages. So that box is gonna tell you uh, how much is actually taxable. But then in box 14, you're going to have the 40000 So now the the bank, whoever you're going to, when they look at that, they can say, oh, okay, you did make $100,000 last year, but $40,000 of it was just covered and you didn't have to pay federal taxes on that. That goes a long way versus you just never putting that $40,000 and they think you only made $60,000. Know, so it's a big, big deal um, for a lot of pastors. So that is something that we do here in our tax department is to ensure that W-2 is set up correctly. Now, another benefit is the self-employment tax reporting, uh, for also known as the 4361 form. This is one of those points that gets a little more complicated. Um, although the housing allowance can be excluded from income tax, If you have not opted out, it is still subject to self-employment tax. By reporting your housing allowance on Form W-2, it makes reporting your income on Schedule SE, uh, which is the Form uh, 1040, for self-employment taxes easier. Uh, now, one big thing to note here is that you do have to go through a process. Uh, we do, again, we have a service here. We can help you with that. Uh, but if you read any of our blogs, we pretty much have you know, a lot of the information out there. This is a two-step process. It's a very simple form, like literally one page. You fill out a couple of lines. You have to um, confirm a few things that, of course, your minister. Uh, they typically ask you to provide a certificate of ordination, just something to verify in your articles as well to show that the entity is legally set up to license and ordain. So there's a whole little process. Um, but the other part is once you send that application in with that paperwork, the IRS will send you another letter saying, are you sure that you want to opt out You know of these taxes? And you have to check the box and say yes. And then you put your signature and you have to send that back. If they send you that letter and you don't send that back, This is null and void. And yes, we have seen it happen several times because people don't realize there's two steps, the initial application and then the verification letter. Once you send that back, they'll send you back the letter and it'll show you, okay, you are officially exempt, yada, yada, and you keep that on your records because as we all know, it can be very hard to reach out to the IRS and get copies of those final approval letters. So make sure that if you're going to do that, that's something that you're interested in, just you know, give us a call. We will be happy to help you. Or at least remember, there's two steps to that self-employment tax exemption process.
1: Wow, that's great to know. It's so important to pay to pay attention to every detail of the process. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> every step matters. Yeah. Um, so before we wrap up, what are some other benefits of the housing allowance that we can shine a light on? Yeah,
2: well, let me give you an example. In 2018, uh, Minister Sharonda made $51,000 per year from her work with Abundant Grace Church of God in Christ and had no outside income. Uh, we helped her board approve her for a $41,000 per year housing allowance. A couple of months back during tax time, um, Sharonda was able to report all $51,000 so she can show a loan officer everything she makes and get financing on her car, uh, her car purchase coming up in August. However, she only showed $10,000 of taxable income for 2018. The result of this was twofold. First, the total amount of taxes taken from only 10 grand was much less than the total amount of taxes that would have been taken from the 51,000. Secondly, Minister Sharonda had moved from the 15% tax bracket down to the 10% tax bracket. That means she paid a lower percentage of taxes on a significantly lower amount of her total income. Um, And by the way, it would behoove you <laughs> to have a specialist like our consulting team or our specialist team here at Start Church to help you come up with all possible deductions for which you are eligible, including the housing allowance. Uh, most CPAs just aren't trained in the intricacies of church and ministry taxes, and that's okay. But this is something that we have specialists in. They are experts. Our CPAs and our tax team are experts in this area. Uh, so this is something that you don't want to sit down, you know, lightly. You could be saving quite a bit of money, especially. The self-employment taxes. I, I strongly encourage a lot of our clients. If you meet the qualifications, there's no hurt or harm in that, unless you're just trying to, you know, raise your credits, and you can still be bivocational. You can still earn those credits through another, you know, area. But imagine if you were to be self. Uh, the self-employment taxes are approved. You you're exempt. You're saving. There's some pastors. They pay fifteen thousand, seventeen thousand dollars in these self-employment taxes. Imagine what you could do if you were exempt from having to pay those taxes on your minister wages and take that 15,000 or that $17,000 and put it in a retirement fund, put it in a Roth IRA and then it's going to gain for you. That <laughs> is wealth. You know, that is where being using wisdom with your with your finances comes in. So, you know, I, I I urge you, you know, don't take it lightly. Please look into it. Call us if you have questions, but we are definitely here
1: to help. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today, Stevie
2: not a problem. It was a a joy.
1: And to all of our listeners, if you have any questions, please give us a call at 844-641-5718. Thanks so much for listening.
0: Thank you for listening to Beyond the Call, brought to you by Start Church. If you have any questions about what you've heard today, please give us a call at 844-641-5718 or visit our website at startchurch.com. We hope you'll join us for the next episode of Start Church, Beyond the Call. Start Church has helped thousands of churches and ministries protect what God has given them to lead. Check out our website at startchurch.com or feel free to call at 844-641-5718. We would be honored to serve you.